0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood
1: floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Tuesday, October 11th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Rain is increasing in many parts of the U.S., and the storms bringing that rainfall are becoming more intense.
0: It seems like we're getting more extreme examples of flooding, more extreme issues with water, so we need to start looking at this differently.
1: And we'll examine efforts to adapt in just a few minutes. Tomorrow is the deadline for Missouri residents to register to vote in next month's general election. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports.
0: Voters can register online or print out an application from the Secretary of State's website and mail it in. There are also several places where people can fill out an application in person, says Denise Lieberman. She's the director and general counsel for the Missouri Voter Protection Coalition. Such as motor vehicle offices, libraries, services that provide social services to individuals with disabilities. Uh, and other locations. Regardless of the method, applications must be submitted by 1159 p.m. Wednesday. You can find out whether and where you are registered to vote at sos.mo.gov elections. I'm Rachel Lipman, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: The Missouri NAACP is opposing a November ballot measure calling for the legalization of recreational marijuana. The organization says Amendment 3 would make it more difficult for minorities to be in the industry. The Post-Dispatch reports the position contradicts the St. Louis-area NAACP chapters. They are calling on residents to vote in favor of the amendment on November 8th. The statewide chapter is opposing all five questions on next month's ballot. The Chief of Staff for St. Louis Public Schools will become the interim leader after Superintendent Kelvin Adams steps down January 1st. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports.
0: Nicole Williams works on big-picture priorities like family engagement and plans for the federal COVID funding the district received. She has also been a deputy superintendent in the district. A search firm plans to present a list of candidates to the city's Board of Education in mid-January. Then the board is expected to give someone the job by the end of that month. The district is currently serving families to find out what they'd like in the next superintendent. District leaders have said they hope they'll have candidates from St. Louis, but the search firm is also looking nationwide. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio.
1: A driver shortage is forcing Madison County Transit in the Metro East to possibly reduce bus service. It wants to reduce weekday frequency on three routes and eliminate another that officials are describing as low-performing. Those changes would take effect in January if approved. The transit agency says it is down 30 drivers from normal levels. The existing workforce is facing burnout after a year and a half of mandated overtime. Metro Transit has also adjusted routes over the past year in part because of a lack of drivers. The St. Louis-Lambert International Airport website is back up after being down for several hours yesterday. The sites for other major U.S. airports were also affected in what security officials are describing as denial-of-service attacks. That follows a call from a group of Russian hackers that published a list of cyber-attack targets just last week. Lambert's site was offline from yesterday morning until around 3 in the afternoon. Officials say flights were not affected. A Washington University professor says at the outset of his research, he did not expect to win the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences. But Philip Dibvig and his co-author Douglas Diamond were honored yesterday by the Royal Swedish Academy for Sciences for their paper exploring how a financial crisis can undermine banks. Dibvig is a banking and finance professor.
0: I didn't expect it, but uh, I've been told by other people they did. So it's not 100% of a total surprise, but I don't know. I I guess I, I didn't really expect it would happen.
1: Dibvig and Diamond also share this year's prize with former Federal Reserve Chairman, Ben Bernanke. Climate change is bringing more intense rain to the Mississippi River Basin, leading to flooding in many communities. The Mississippi River Basin Egg and Water Desk finds rainfall is increasing every year, forcing some communities to relocate, others to make room for the water, and farmers to change their practices. As part of a special series, When It Rains, Juan Pablo Ramirez-Franco reports on how communities in the Mississippi River Basin have adapted.
0: After back-to-back downpours in Freeport, Illinois, earlier this summer, the Pekatonic River jumped its banks and flooded the city, drowning parks and washing out streets. All told, it was a relatively mild flood, Freeport's fifth in only the past four years. It's something Lori Thomas and her mother have almost grown accustomed to, their house houses flooded at least 15 times, but for them, moving to higher ground is not an option. The historically black community on the east side of town is home. People have always lived over here, and there's always been the pecatonica, but lately the floods have been worse, but they've been worse everywhere else too. That's not a reason to kick people out of their homes. Two years after a massive flood in 2019, the Federal Emergency Management Agency granted the city of Freeport over $3 million to buy out properties in the floodplain. City officials say the average home on the east side is valued at around $15,000. Homeowners can be offered up to an additional $31,000. That's just not enough money for Thomas's mother to pick up and start over elsewhere. She's lived here for decades. The lady over there is in a wheelchair. She's been there all her life, these are older people,
1: where the hell are they going?
0: Increased rainfall triggered by the climate crisis is causing more frequent flooding in small river communities. American infrastructure wasn't designed for this level of crisis. It's causing economic strain, impacting quality of life, and forcing people to make hard decisions about whether to stay or leave. So some municipalities are shifting away from traditional mitigation tactics, like levees and berms, according to Laura Lightbody, who directs the Pew Charitable Trust Flood Prepared Communities Initiative.
1: The old way isn't working for today's population. And so that has resulted in rethinking the engineering solution versus sort of a new look at the new role that nature can play.
0: 400 miles west of Freeport in Atchison County, Missouri, Reagan Griffin makes his way through the tall grasses of what used to be farmland along the Missouri River, another tributary of the Mississippi. He's a corn and soy farmer and is on the Atchison County levee board. He stops at a pond that marks a breach from the last devastating flood in 2019.
1: That, I'm pretty sure, was the
0: crest of the levee. I think it ran right through here. And then this was a hole that got eaten out through it. 2019 was the third major flood that devastated the small farming community in the last 30 years. It seems like we're getting more extreme examples of flooding, more extreme issues with water, so we need to start looking at this differently. The Atchison Levee Board proposed a levee setback, making room for the Missouri to flood. With the help of the Army Corps of Engineers and other organizations and agencies, the levee was moved, reconnecting over 1,000 acres of floodplain, our reporters found that communities throughout the basin are coming up with creative ideas like this to address flooding. The need is huge, and federal officials are starting to notice the need. You know, you're talking tens or hundreds of billions of dollars to mitigate the effects of climate change, sea level rise, aging infrastructures. Eric Letvin is the Federal Emergency Management Agency's deputy assistant administrator for mitigation. In 2020, the agency launched the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities program, geared toward funding large, locally led projects that fortify areas before disasters strike. Every dollar from the federal government counts, and so far, inland Mississippi River communities have received less money from this program than coastal ones, according to a Headwaters Economic Analysis. Letvin says that's in part because rural inland communities have a hard time applying for the funds. Some states have more hazard mitigation staff at the state level than others and are able to um, help provide more assistance and help generate more applications. But Pew's light body says communities need to come up with local resources as well. As she sees it, the federal government just doesn't have enough money.
1: They don't have the resources to fully rebuild communities time and time again.
0: Which is why creative local solutions are so important. No one knows how river communities will look 100 years from now. But most experts can agree change is necessary to create a better and safer future. And the time to act is now, instead of waiting for the next flood. In Freeport, Illinois, I'm Juan Pablo Ramírez Franco.
1: This story is from the Mississippi River Basin Egg and Water Desk. It was co-reported by Eva Tesfai, Madeline Heim, Brittany Miller, and Haley Parker. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day.